Welcome to the Book Evangelist podcast, here to spread the good news that books and reading will save us all. Lissa and Marion will be talking about what's up in their reading and writing lives, reviewing recent reads, urging each other on to writing triumph, and generally wallowing in the pleasure of hanging out with a friend who loves books. Join us, wallow with us. This is episode 23, in which we will be discussing A Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula Le Guin, and The Book of Three, The Chronicles of Pridane, Book One by Lloyd Alexander. Good morning, Marion. Good morning, Lissa. You know, these, these episodes where we say we're going to read two books, um, mm-hmm. or really, really long historical books, have you noticed that they take us a while to get done? I have. It's a trend. It is a trend. Are so. we learning from this or just sort of observing it? I think I'm in observation mode currently. Are you learning? I mean, I, I think it's observation mode is a good place to start with any kind of learning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably. And, and for the life of me, I did not think it would take this long. And one of the books in particular was was the problem child for me. It took me a long time. Um, I texted the friend who bought me a copy of Wizard of Earthsea for Christmas and said I had finally finished it. And, um, and I said, yes, it took me nine months. And uh, very reassuringly, they texted back and said, uh, time doesn't matter to dragons. Nine months is an eye blink. That's perfect. That's lovely. So yes, I think that It's that not a big here. book. And it just took me a while to, and I did do that book on audio. Uh, and frankly, I think the audio was part of my problem. And we'll discuss that, I guess, as we go along. Yeah. Uh, Presumably, we have read other things in the intervening time, though. I mean, oh, we yes. We just sit and not read, right? So many things, yes. And, and you know, I used to be a person who read one book at a time. I was a book monogamist who really? picked up a book and read that book. And I never DNF'd books. I would pick up one book and read that book until it was done and then I would pick up another book and read that book until it was done. Uh, but those days are gone. What observations led you to change that? Life is short, books are long. Nice. I guess so, yes. But you, are you a, a one book girl or are you a... Uh, no, I, I mean, I used to be. Um, and if it was, you know, finish it late into the night before starting the next book late that same night, uh, that's still how I did it. But no, I am very much like a, let's see what we're going to read in this period of time person right now, because my life has periods of time. And sometimes yeah. I can do an audiobook and sometimes I can do an ebook. And very rarely I can get time with light and both hands available to read a print <laughs> book. And so, so um, do you think it was it just a change of, of life or did you have a change of, of, of psychology? with this change I think it's a change of psychology but it would be really easy to say it was a change of life yeah I, I agree with you on the on the different books for different times thing when I'm doing the dreaded dishes or folding the great wall of laundry right. I almost always have an audiobook going um, because I don't have to look at it uh, 
just listen and I can get the things done and make some progress at something I'm interested in, uh, which I am not that interested in dishes. Yeah. So, and the truth about the fam here is that I could just put out a big pile of clean clothes and they would jump into it and dig around and find clean clothes and wear those perfectly happily uh, without my actually folding them and delivering them. But, you know, I do have some standards. Well, and you'd have to redo your home to have the place we dump clean clothes also. <laughs> That's true. Right? Like, and and much more cat hair would be on all the clean clothes if they were not removed and put away, too. So yes. there's that. Too. So there's it's a limitation in your home design. It is. It is. I just need a new home. And we're set. Yes. Your all next home could book. have the the room for clothes dumping. That's right. So, so what are these many books that you have been reading when you have been uh, ignoring A Wizard of Earthsea and The Book of Three? Well, um, last time we talked about the Expanse series, and man, I'm like 150 hours into that audiobook series. Um, and probably actually more because I frequently re-listen, either because I fell asleep or because I zoned out on the way to work, worrying about work or whatever. So I back it up a lot. So like, I, that's really what I do with my time, is listen to the Expanse series, um, which has been lovely. I really enjoy it still. Um, and then I just went on a little weekend retreat with my daughter and she said, mom, you've got to read this book. I keep telling you to read. So I sat down and just read straight through the book. You don't know everything. Jilly P by Alex Gino. Uh, and it was excellent. I think I've heard um, of I, that one. I thought I knew what was going to happen in it because my daughter had repeatedly told me everything that happens in it. And yet <laughs> I was still really engaged and surprised by how it played out and, um, the th- and it was interesting because the things that she thought I would be really interested in it, um, like there's um, a pair of lesbian aunts, there's a, um, a child who is deaf, there's two children who are deaf, um, there's, I don't just, you know, things. And then I was like, oh, all the characters are col- col- um, meeting each other and um, interacting with each other on the internet around a book that they all like that's how all the characters meet and i'm like oh that's you know like your book here this is my book (laughs) like this is the part that really grabs me um so it was lovely and it's very almost didactic about we have to as adults be better about talking to kids about race and it's interesting in that way because it's a book for kids in which the adults don't do the work and the kids do the work and point out to the adults that the adults are going to have to do the work too. I like it. That's insidious. Yeah, it really is. It's great. Um, What have you been reading? Sometimes when adults don't do the work, the kids have to, that's the sad part. Um, Right. Gosh, uh, I have been reading the rivers of London series by Baron Aronovich which I started because I felt that they would be good comps for the book that I am editing, uh, reworking currently, which I think they are. Uh, And I love them. And I've been listening to them on audio too, and they're really excellent on audio. The audio narrator is just wonderful. And this horrible thing has happened to me where I am maybe on the fifth one or so. And I was like, okay, off I go to get the next one. La, 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 la. And I went to Libby and no audiobook for it. <gasps> and I thought, I must have done this wrong. You know, I must have pilot error. So I went to my local library 
And I said, you know, my searching is wrong. I cannot find the audiobook for this. I mean, I understand putting it on hold. I'm happy to wait. Right. But, but no book. And she was so surprised. And my librarian was. And she looked up and they don't own the audiobook of this, like, fifth in series. They own everything before it and everything after it. Okay. And, and so I was like, well, can can we, you know, put a request for it? And she said, that's what I'm doing right now because she's a librarian and therefore, you know. Right. Damn it, God. So, but the system wouldn't let her request it. <gasps> I know. So she was shooting off an email to the powers that be to ask them what is wrong. Uh, and meanwhile, I have had to, it had just come in actually, uh, ask for the ebooks. And I may have to actually read one and just put the narrator's voice in my head. Uh, I know. So that's my that's my it's huge shocking shocking story shocked empathetic silence I know and I'm like it's kind of the reverse of Murderbot which I read them all in real paper and ebook format and then I listened to the audiobooks and I thought that's not what Murderbot sounds like but now I'm like I need this wonderful narrator to do all the great accents for me uh, the uh, main character is a uh, contemporary London detective constable with the Metropolitan Police and apprentice wizard and his mother is Ghanaian I think uh, and his father's a jazz cat um, and he's from uh, the kind of public housing level of London originally and all of the accents of the main character and of his great mother and everybody else that he meets all the relatives and people you meet, and then the different stratas of English society, all the accents are so good. Uh, so, it's, yeah, it's sad, Lissa. Very sad. Um, also, I have been reading Hench by Natalie Zeno Walshutz, which is uh, a ride so far. I've been enjoying it. It's very funny. Okay, is um, it fiction, nonfiction? It's fiction. These are almost everything I'm reading is fiction. Well, that's not true. Hmm. Anyway, it is a fiction book about someone who works as a, a hench person for bad guys. Um, evil, does, you know, there's like superheroes is, and then there's like, you know, the bad guys. And she works as a temp hench. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It is. It's a lot of fun so far. And... In lieu of my latest Rivers of London book, I just started listening to The Library of the Dead by T.L. Huchu, uh, which is another book I'm enjoying a lot, although the audio is a little flat, and I've been interested in that. Uh, the main character is only 14, so uh, that could be it. And uh, I am also reading The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green, which uh, grew out of his amazing podcast of the same name, and it has the same content to start. And I'm still reading Children of Ash and Elm, the massive history of the Vikings, which I read off and on um, and I'm making progress with. So all those are things I've been reading instead of what I was supposed to read for this podcast. I like it. Yep. I also read um, a while ago, Psalm for the Wild Built by Mm -hmm. Becky Chambers. Yes. I I read the advanced copy and then I bought it. And then I've been forcing it into people's hands. So, <laughs> well, um, so I, I I'm getting my hold. copy back Saturday and I'm going to force it into somebody else's hands after yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, gently force, but I yeah. mean, firmly, but well, gently force. But yes, you need this. Yes. I have it on hold, so it will come in. So I'm okay. 
uh, so you can uh, you can put it in other hands, and I will get it one of these Good. first times. So Good. Yeah. Because it's great. How and I'm rereading not- it so that I can discuss it with all the people I'm convincing to read it. I mean, how can you not like a series called Monk and Robot? I know. It was just, it's a given. It's a given. So we enjoyed all of those. Yes. And now we're going to talk about these other two books and see how we liked them. It's a kind of weak segue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but you know, what are you going to do? Okay, we're coming off all this pleasure reading and we're coming into these two great classics of fantasy literature that have been famous for 40 years? Probably. They're both 1960s books, aren't they? Unless I'm wrong. I didn't actually look that up. I'm just like guessing. It's, you know, how confidence without knowledge is always... Uh, Earthseas, 1968. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, our reading lives, they've been famous the whole time. Yes, I was actually born in 1968, so it's the same age that I am. And uh, I will look up the Book of Three here and see when it was published. The Book of Three. Oh, I'm so well organized for this podcast. It's amazing. 1964. So, even older. Right. So I'm, I'm not just talking out my hat. They really are books from the 1960s. You, you know things. Well, some things. I don't know that. I just make stuff up there, you know. That's good. But we know how to fact check ourselves. We do. We're good. We're And, you know, if I had been wrong, I would have said, oh, my goodness, I'm so wrong. My wrongness is so wrong. And I will have learned and move forward. So, I've got these two books. So, we should tell people what they're about, probably? Yes. Would you you like to tell people? I was going to say, we've got The Wizard of Red Sea and The Book of Three. Which one would you like to tell people about? Um, uh... The Book of Three. Okay, so I will start with The Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula K. Leguin. Ged, the greatest sorcerer in all Earthsea, was called Sparrowhawk in his reckless youth. Hungry for power and knowledge, Sparrowhawk tampered with long-held secrets and loosed a terrible shadow upon the world. This is the tale of his testing, how he mastered the mighty words of power, tamed an ancient dragon, and crossed death's threshold. To restore the balance. That sounds very exciting. It does. Um, The Book of Three, The Chronicles of Prydane by Lloyd Alexander. Um, Is this word Taryn? I feel like it was Taryn on the audiobook. Okay. Um, Taryn wanted to be a hero. And looking after a pig wasn't exactly heroic, even though Hinwin was an oracular pig. But the day that Hinwin vanished, Taryn was led into an enchanting and perilous world. With his band of followers, he confronted the horned king and his terrible cauldron-born. These were the forces of evil, and only Hinwin knew the secret of keeping the kingdom of Prydain safe from them. But who would find her first? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. All right. So these books sound like they have a lot in common to me. Both young men 
I guess, boys to men on the cusp of growing up who are kind of malcontents or want something more and go on a great adventure against an evil or dangerous force and have people that they travel with and uncover secrets. It's so interesting how different authors could take the same thing and write such different books. Yeah. Yeah. So did you prefer one over the other? I think I preferred a Wizard of Earthsea. Okay. And in the end. All right. And Even though me- I really struggled <laughs> to actually read it. So why do you think that is so? Why do you prefer it? It felt more like a book for me in this time when I'm not a kid. And the Book of Three felt more to me like a book I was reading in my 40s that I had never read before that was for kids. There you go. Because it's, it's interesting because I was thinking earlier today like, Back in the Dark Ages, when I was a child, there were books for children. There's like children's literature. And then there were other books, you know, like everybody else. And the book of three generally fell into this is a children's book. The of the there's five books in a series. I read them all as children. Uh, and loved them and owned them all. Um, And my own children read them. And I think maybe one of them won the Newbery or did two of them win the Newbery? Two or three of them are Newbery honor books and one of them won it, at least. I know the High King did, the last one. Um, But they're definitely children's books. But I may have read... We'll get to this, I'm sure. A Wizard mm-hmm. of Earthsea as a teenager. And it was just like a book that people read. There's not, there was no such thing as YA. Um, or even middle grade. There was like children's books and other books. Um, except Judy Blue. You know, which I guess she counts as, <laughs> I guess she counts as children's books anyway. But yeah. they were more, you know, more risque. Than, right. Um, than regular children's books. So that could be why, because you're reading a a true children's book as opposed to a book that's just like a book book. Uh, The intro of Wizard of Earthsea, or -hmm. maybe the afterword, now I can't remember. Oh, it was the afterword. Um, The afterword um, talked about... The afterword actually starts, once upon a time, a publisher asked me if I'd write a novel for teenagers. Oh, no, I said. No, thanks very much, but I couldn't. The idea of writing with a specific audience in mind or a specific age of reader, thats it was the idea that scared me off. Um, so like Ursula Le Guin, after I read the book, told me that she wrote it 
with the audience of teenagers sort of reluctantly or something. I don't yeah. know. She's, she's writing a book, but the but Ged himself is, is young. Right. Right. He starts off at the end of the book. He's 18 or 19. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember that part that he and his buddy who sounds, it's yeah. In the audiobook, he sounds like he's 55, but, uh, they're both very young, so that even the buddy's like 21 or 22, probably. So, but he starts off as a, like Taryn, as like a 12-year-old. Yes. You know, and then grows up. But they're Bildungsroman. How um, we grow into our adulthood and so forth. Um, so it's like that. Yeah, but I think Ursula again just like, it's like, all right, I'll write you a book and this character will be young. And we'll pretend that's a YA book. <laughs> no. Right. Like, um, yeah, the rest of the afterwards, she's like, um, but I know that, that, uh, that, oh, I want to get her thing right. Hold on, let me look. Because she says it in a snarky way that I love. Despite what some adults seem to think, teenagers are fully human. <laughs> like, she, that to me, I know, right? Like, to me, that comes through in this book. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're they're fully human. They're going to make mistakes that they have to live with forever and they're mm-hmm. going to own that cuz they're fully human, not because there's a magic grow-up switch. Yeah. And it, I mean in terms of like language usage, the Wizard of Earthsea I think uses more advanced language than the book yes. of 3 does. Which is clearly a book written um for children. And one of the things I've been interesting is like since I read obviously all of the Prodane books as a child, as an adult, when I read them, I think I read them differently than a woman in her 40s coming to them fresh. Yeah. Because uh, they were more built-in excitement, I guess. Then They were very new and, and different. I was not a C.S. Lewis girl. Um, the line of Witch in the Wardrobe, just, I was like, meh, whatever. These are my books. The Chronicles of Prydain were. Um, and they're based in Welsh legend or folklore or mythology. Uh, and so they had a cohesiveness that I really liked. And um, I'll tell you that the book of the five that I didn't particularly care for as a child, which is the fourth one, Terran Wanderer, Okay. I was like, yeah, it gets us from book three to book five. When I reread these books as an adult to my children, it really hit me hard. Um, mm. That book did. Because as an adult reading it, I read it completely differently than than when I was 10. You know, it's mm-hmm. not as action filled as the others. There's fewer battles and uh, no people in creepy masks with herds of undead soldiers around them. (laughs) Um, It's more of a journey book, similar to um, Earthsea. And it's like a a journey book to find yourself. But as an adult, it just hit me hard. Um, What a spectacular book it is. In a way that I don't think I could understand that particular book as a a 10-year-old. Because... Because... I guess, I, I don't know, I, had, I guess you have to, to grow up first to understand what growing up looks like um, or feels like. And it carries through into the into the fifth book, the kind of what happens to Taryn and all these other main characters, those that still are around, um, in 
in the end, the decisions that they make and what they're left with at the end and who gains what and who loses what and why um, is beautifully tied together. Uh, and the characters, I think, do grow up over the course of the books. Presumably that also happens in Earthsea because there's like four of these, three or four? I, there's four because my four. friend bought me all four for Christmas, although oh, I nice. still only read one. Nice I think technically they were like gifts to share with my children, but <laughs> yeah. But my kids, I tried reading this aloud to them and we only got like, a, I don't know, a quarter of the way in and they're like, mom, went, eh. eh. Why do you think it was eh for them? Um, I mean, I think in part they don't like being patient while I read aloud to them, even yeah. though they like audiobooks and they yeah. like us all listening to audiobooks together. Something about me doing it was like annoying, um, maybe. But they didn't like the audiobook either because we tried that too. Um, I think that the pacing is not their adventure level. So, on the audiobook front, when you yes. listened to it, was it narrated by Harlan Ellison? Um, I had it from Hoopla, so I can check. Okay. Uh, as I did, and while you're checking, I'll tell you that I was curious as to why they would do that. I mean, Harlan Ellison is famous and all, but I couldn't understand why you would have, like, an old dude hmm. audio narrate this book about a very young person child into young adulthood and it just sounded like an insurance salesman reading me this oh there's a th my thump was my cat jumping off my desk um <laughs> this like i said it's this middle-aged guy telling me this adventure story just did not work for me and he would like when things are fast and they're fighting, he's like breathing into it and they raise the staff and I'm like, just get on with it, man, you know? <laughs> and then, and, but on the other hand, I had the eternal gratefulness of fantasy audiobooks to have him pronounce all of the place names for me because everybody and everything is named in this book. It's like naming the world. Yeah. Um, and everybody It's a big has, deal. And everybody has a great rolling r in their name so not when i read it in my head <laughs> no but. not when i read it i'm like blip 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 when i read it in my head so it when harlan ellison was reading it it, it did and so this is more telling because i just looked the uh recorded books audiobooks which are the ones that are on hoopla are narrated by um rob inglis and when I click to see, oh, have I listened to anything else that he's done? It's only The Fellowship of the Ring, The Hobbit, oh. The Two Towers, The Return of the King. Yeah, of which this is the, the offspring. Uh-huh. So that's pretty telling. Mm, yeah, old school wizard books for boys. At least the narrator uh, yeah. leads us to believe we're firmly in that genre. Yep, I think probably. Um, so, but, it, but like I said, I, th I think... Had I been reading it myself, I could have blipped over a lot of the, now we're going to name everything in here and then have a two-page battle with eight dragons. Yeah. Um, I'm like, no, I want more battle with dragon, less naming of <laughs> yes. everything they had for lunch and every single town on every single island ever. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. And... Is 
I guess it was like, is that, I am not as up to date on like the history of a fantasy as I should be. Is this like, was it standard for the time to do that? Is it just part of a, a school of writing? Um, do, do people still do this as much now? Um, I mean, I don't know, but maybe there's, I mean, I think that different fantasy books and subgenres have their own flavors and that you, I mean, there's a reason why I like things like Scalzi where, (laughs) you know, where like a lot of things happen. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of witty it, dialogue and it kind of because of that whole tie into like the Lord of the Rings and and stuff like that makes you wonder like books like this always remind me of really old epic stories like Icelandic saga stories and you know, Anglo-Saxon poetries and um, I was talking to somebody the other day about the Green Knight. She went to see the movie of the Green yeah. Knight, and it, she was not familiar with the poem, and she had to come home and and read up on that. And I was like, "Well, if the movie is like the poem, nothing happens." And she's like, right. "Yes, nothing happened. The whole thing." I'm like, "They tell you that Gawain has adventures, but those are all off screen." Yeah, you know, um, they'll tell you he went to this place and this place and this place, and he had great adventures, but we don't ever see any of that happen. Literally, nothing happens in the whole poem. I mean, for a big adventure poem where people are playing let's chop each other's head off game, mm-hmm. nothing happens in, in Circle Wayne and the Green Knight. Uh, and these books kind of remind me of, of mm-hmm. that ancient root form. So I'm, I'm wondering, is that just in my head or are they really calling back to that literary heritage and trying to translate it into something more adventurous for now? Maybe because some of, I mean, like a Wizard of Earthsea, when they're in Roke and they're doing the learning, right? Like people yeah. are super boring. They're like, oh my gosh, we went away for a year inside this grove to do the learning. So I haven't seen you in a year. Like that, that's yeah. our action sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even Ged, he's like, oh, and he goes away to this, you know, gloomy tower by the edge of the sea to learn all the secret names of things and they just like oh yeah he learned them and then like periodically they're like oh yeah well they discovered the name of this thing like how how did they discover the secret name of the thing i want to know what was the yeah they got to do a spell let's get some action in here and do it they're like right like cut away and and show us the moment six years had passed and he got his staff i'm like and what happens when you get your staff do you have to make it yourself do you have to grow the tree for it how do they imbue it with magic and what is different now and how does he feel and what can he do right and his power seems virtually limitless except toward the end they have one conversation about how you can conjure something that you know looks like a loaf of bread right and it will taste great and smell great and feel great but it gives you no nutrition because it's made of magic right Uh, it's just words and so i thought well at least there's some limitation on right and we have that one example like that's the example the example from the whole book yeah whereas like you know he goes out they like send him his first assignment is to go to this poverty-stricken fishing archipelago that has a dragon problem. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And you get there, and he's like, 
you know, he farts around and makes friends, has dinner with people. And then he's like, oh, I got to leave. I better go get rid of these dragons. So uh, borrowing a boat and <laughs> heading out. I'm like, here's eight dragons. I mean, eight dragons. It's and like the like, most boom, boom, boom. junior year of high school procrastination assignment <sighs> ever. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, and oh, this like, is due tomorrow. I should go finish it. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, you know, he like... Uh, Raised a staff, and that dragon, you know, fell into the water and drowned. And then right. the second one, like, burst into flames. It's gone. But it's, like, literally that fast. There's yeah. no... I was, like, trying to keep count, and I was like, oh, it's over. Yeah. Like, what? All done. All done. Big, scary dragon, been terrorizing the Outer Reachers for decades, and all they needed was five minutes of a wizard's time. Mm-hmm. I mean, come Which on, he wizards. did not apply right away. No. Like, just apply sat before on, he left. Sat on his can until it was time for him to go, and then he went out and took care of it. I'm like, dudes, just go fix it. Yeah. You know? It, this is that hard. So, yes. So I had some, some difficulties with it, um, which is why I guess, you know, I obviously prefer the book of three out of these two, but I liked how much Taryn fails at stuff. Yes. Um, how he, he, everything he tries just fails, mm-hmm. and... He's not even the one who who takes out the Horned King and his terrible cauldron-born army. That's somebody else. Um, He's brave, and he tries his best, and he learns and grows, and he does valiant things that he's not equipped to do, and he loses, like, a lot. Uh, And in the whole series, he never turns into, like, He-Man you know, thing ever. I liked the part where they both aren't perfect. I mean, I think that makes them good, good books and good books for kids and teens, but I mean, also adults, right? Like this isn't like, yeah, super hero magic user does everything. Perfect power Mm -hmm. triumphs. This is like, Oh, you know, get almost breaks the whole world. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Ged kills his teacher. Ged, like, do you think that Ged became less arrogant over the course of the book? Um. Yes. I think it tried to show us that anyway through those scenes, like of he just wants to hide because his face is scarred and no one recognizes him and he doesn't have his friends anymore. And I think it tries to show us that he's struggling with who he is in relation to others and what that means by how people judge him and yeah i think he grows kinder to people over the course of the book he meets i mm-hmm. can't remember the name of his old friend the wizard that's like a couple years older than he is he goes to oh guy's yeah house. that was my favorite character but now i forgot yeah. his name. gosh yeah oh, to start with a t maybe i don't know anyway he goes to the friend's house yes. and meets his sister and little brother. And I thought he was lovely there. It's a lovely vetch. to those people. Yeah. Vetch. That's right. Yes. He meets, goes to Vetch's house. But he's really nice to Vetch's sister and and recognizes her worth, you know, that in her efforts to make them food, to take on their travels or whatever, he, he does not like blow her off and say, you know, Answering your petty questions are not worth my wizardly time. Right. And he would have in the beginning. He would have in the beginning. So I'm like, he got better. But 
I think one of my problems with getting into the book was what a little snot he was at the beginning of the book. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and I'm just like, you're just dreadful. You know, he brings this woe into the world because he's uh, having a kid. A piss- he's having a pissing match with, with another yes. wizard, really. Like, yeah, uh-huh, you know, um, he wants to look good and powerful and be the, the boss man and so forth. And because of that, he does stupid things. And he does it twice. Mm-hmm. You know, did not learn the first time that you almost brought this horror into the world. And your master at the time said, don't be doing that because that's bad. And then you went and you did it anyway yep. because you're a snot. Um, so I was glad that he, I guess, grew a little but But he was such so horrible at the beginning that I had some trouble, you know, Caring if the evil black shadow came back and killed him. Yeah. Because like that's what was my struggle. Yeah. Like, because I didn't exactly say it in the notes, but I, I said that I struggled to finish it because he wasn't in danger. But actually, he was in danger. And I didn't care that he was in danger. <laughs> so, right? Not just like, I didn't realize it. Like, I didn't care if the black shadow came back and got him because sure, that was sure. his fault. So, you know, as you are fully aware, and I'm sure most of the world is too, in, in writing there's the, the save the cat, right? So you have this character that isn't terribly likable at the beginning you should have them do something good so that the reader can connect to them so i always felt like ged saving his village with magic at the beginning was supposed to be that like he Mm -hmm. saves his village from the rampaging hordes of vikings or whatever uh at the beginning by doing this spell that makes them all in fog and that i'm supposed to like him because he did this but it didn't work for me i just felt like um Everybody was like, you're so awesome. You did it. And he's like, I know. I'm awesome because I did it. And they're like, oh, you should get apprenticed like a real wizard because you're so powerful. And then he did. You know? And then he left. And we're like, And uh... then he left. And he's, he's like impatient with the new wizard. And he was like, you're so powerful. You should go to Roke and get all trained. He's like, yes. So I didn't feel like he did it, I guess, out of humility or love. He did it just... He no, it. that was all just digging his. So that's like that growing thing. Like if you yeah. have the opportunity, do you totally mess it up because you're so full of yourself? Yeah. And he does repeatedly. Yeah. And then he finally, at the very end, kind of doesn't. Kind of doesn't. Yes. But you have to get all the way to the end for me to care whether whether right. Mr. Sparrowhawk lives or dies. So I had some trouble with that. As it, as it, as it I really liked Vetch. He was my favorite character. Yeah, Vetch is so calm. Uh huh. And the line that I marked because he is a grown up. I mean, he's a grown up kind of when he's a kid, yeah, but he's only a couple years older than right. Than... But he like gets it. He gets how to be in the yeah. world. Um. And so there's the the part towards the endish where he's gonna go with Ged. He's gonna leave his place. He lives as a wizard and go with him um and he and all the old men are nagging him not to go and he says i am yours by parentage and custom and by duty undertaken toward you i am your wizard but it is time you recalled that though i am a servant i am not your servant when i am free to come back i will come back till then farewell yeah and i was like oh he's still the smartest person in this book yeah he is it's like we need the 
like are the other books like the continuing story of Ged or does it switch and we get like the Vetch Chronicles I would read that (laughs) but it would probably be boring it would just be Vetch saying like even killed smart things and I would (laughs) totally read that what would Vetch do what would Vetch do that's that could be my new motto what would Vetch do here (gasps) which makes it a great story for kids and young adults like how do you look around at the friends around you and find that person where you can role model and emulate them and they'll have your back if you need to go save your own soul. Yeah, I can see that. The, you know, the, the, the hero figure in the Book of Three is Gwydion. I guess I'm going to pronounce the name as I've never known how I to pronounce so. it. I think so. Who is the kind of war master and crown prince of Prydain. And he's such a disappointment to Taryn when Taryn meets him. Because he has built up in his head what this person is going to be like. What does a, a great hero look like? Uh, and Gwydion turns out to be, like, older than he thought he would be. And uh, plainer dressed. And uh, more humble <laughs> than he thought mm-hmm. he would be. And uh, still not to be tangled with. You don't mess with him, but he's... A different person than Taryn thought he would be, which is, I thought, a lesson that Taryn learns right at the beginning in terms of, like, what should a good and stable heroic person be like? And there's your boyish childhood dreams, and then there's um, reality. And I can't remember, okay, because, you know, I've read all of these. Cole, right. the, his, his, back at Cairdalban, where Taryn lives, there's two people, and one is the elderly wizard Dalbin and the other one is Call. I think so. And do you learn the backstory of Call in this book? I, it's been a couple of months since I read it. And Me I too. Um, I don't remember for sure. But you yeah, can tell us. Well, he is Call. Whenever you see him all the way through the book, he is, he runs the farm. You know, he is the head pig keeper and he plants the crops and he tends the gardens and he takes care of the animals. And he is a content person in his backstory in the past he is a, a great hero uh when he, the oracular pig henwin was imprisoned in the land of the dead call is the one who went and got her uh and brought her back he's this, mm. this extremely brave strong warrior and he is a, now a mature person who's found uh, you know, contentment, happiness, purpose in the simple tasks of taking care of this farm. And when the big war happens in the fifth book, you know, he has to go back to war. Uh, and he does, but he would rather stay home. In his head, it's more, it's nobler to stay home and tend his tasks there and take care of things. Uh, and he never... Like it takes Taryn a long time to learn the like the true nature of Cole and to respect him as more than just his respect for him as a as a farmer, but as a person who's done things and come back from that and right. and made choices about what they want to be. And Gwydion is like that too. He's been he's done some stuff, you know. Uh and he's made some choices on the kind of person that he wants to be. And in that way, both of these books, I'm assuming the rest of the series of Earth, She Goes Like This, choosing who you want to be or deciding what a 
what a real adult looks like a person what's the worth of a person is it in the, the glitzy outer shell of look at the tricks I can do or is it the interior character of that person which Vetch has figured out from the beginning and Cole has figured out from the beginning and Gwydion right. has figured out from the beginning um, and neither one of our heroes does has. Yeah. yeah and I like uh, books more when I talk about them <laughs> yeah me too so, that's a good thing about talking about books yeah it is and seeing seeing what what um, how your opinion of them changes or what someone else is seeing in it so um, so the great mystery that's left here is before I started reading The Wizard University I would have told you that I had read it before Yes. That I read it as a teenager. That I read all of the books in the series as a teenager. That I liked them a lot. And then now I'm wondering whether I didn't read some other book. Ooh. Because uh, I have, I'm like, am I sure? And I even have a picture in my head of what the cover of this book looked like. So I totally went on the web and looked at like all the old covers that have gone with the Wizard of Earthsea and I didn't recognize any of them. And I wonder what you read. And I looked at like big fantasy series of you know decades past this would have been in the early to mid 1980s that I was reading whatever it was that I was reading. Right. And I just can't figure out what it was. And it's driving me mad, mad, I say. And it felt like, I'm sure it was about, you know, an apprentice wizard type scenario. And learning and growing. And I sort of remember the journeying to the ends of the world business. But the rest of it, I'm like, did... So the question is, did I as a teenager read this book and see it so differently? That it seemed like a fast-moving, rollicking adventure that swept me away into a world that was vivid for me. Uh, or did I read something completely different and then later attach a false memory to it as being a wizard of Mercy? Right. And, wow, if anybody out there can think of any other book it could have been. I remember the main cover having a dark cloaked figure on it. But it was not The Wheel of Time, and it was not that um, Gene Wolfe book, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was not Gene Wolfe. It was not... I, know, I used to read a lot of Piers Anthony, but I can't think of anything by Piers Anthony that would would fill that. It wasn't... Um, yeah, I don't know. And it's... It's going to drive me mad. I'm probably just going to surf the web for days and days and days looking at old fantasy book covers and trying to figure out what did Marion read? That's a fun question. Yeah. I don't think I really read any fantasy books as a kid. <laughs> I've been trying to think about it. How, I, not, I go around, how did I even acquire books when I was a kid? How did I choose them? Where did they come from? Where did they right. go? Right. Like the, yeah. the library book sale. And then I could mostly, I had the money to shop off of the cheap paperbacks table. 
So as a kid, I would read like uh, Karen, the life, like Karen by Marie Kilalea and like Alex, Life of a Child by Frank Dufford. Like I read a whole bunch of stuff printed in the 60s that people were getting rid of in the 80s. <laughs> I know it's like I come originally from a very small town that had a very small library and like no bookstore and you would have to drive 45, 50, 60 miles over country roads to get to a city big enough to sell you a book. Mm-hmm. You didn't have any place that sold books, except I suppose maybe grocery stores had racks, but they would have all been, you know, there's probably still Diane Steele books back, Daniel Steele books back then. Um, certainly nothing for me. And then I lived overseas and I didn't really have a local library, really. I had school libraries. So that must have been where I got my books with school libraries. Must be. Yeah. So they would have to be fairly common for me to have read them. I know or that's where I got really the Or really obscure because they're sitting in a school library and nobody else had read them and they're just yeah. sitting there. I will say that my, uh, my teenager has a current project that she's taking on with a friend of hers to read. They're looking up all the books that have been put in the basement storage area of their school library because nobody checks them out. And they're reading them all. So that they can then have been read and get moved back into general circulation. So um, they're like adopting all the abandoned books and trying to get them sprung from the basement long-term storage and have kind people of awesome. love them again, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I mean, as a librarian, I love that. Yeah, and she likes to read horror, so she's picking all the horror and, <gasps> and mass murder type books because, yeah, I don't know how I had this child. She always oh, wants to yeah. tell me about what she's reading. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not telling mom because then I will not sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Mine last night asked a question. She read a detail in the book she was reading and then she asked a question about it. And it was about um, a more recent presidential election and changes that happened in the population after that and reactions to things. And uh, mm-hmm. and she said, mom, is are they talking about? Which election are they talking about? Because I'm really used to reading like dystopian books and World War II books. And I think they're talking about a real election here. (laughs) (laughs) And she just hadn't read contemporary fiction in a really long time. I know. It was great. Uh, Yeah. So you had to to tell her the truth, huh? I, I did my best. I said it could be this or it could be this. Well, what, you'll have you to message me what she was reading so I can check so, it out. I have to find out what she was yeah, reading. Yeah. She does this really cool subscription service from our library where she signed up to get a monthly bag of books and the teen librarian picks them for her and oh, just nice. gives her a bag of books already checked out to her every month. That's nice when you have book-eating children. Yes. Yeah. So, And it's been lovely because the, the books that come in the bag are not what I would pick for her. And they're all great, but I, you know, they're not on my radar. I didn't know about them. It's lovely. Yeah. You know, we've been uh, discussing like books we read instead of what we were supposed to be reading here. Yeah. My, one of my big goals for this year was to read all of the uh, lovely YA books that I own, which is a lot, and send them to your child. And I have read zero of them because I keep getting sidetracked by books I get from the library or uh, books I'm reading from various book groups or or whatever. So I really got to get on that so I can ship all these books out of here. I keep thinking of how much storage space I would have if I shipped all my books to your child. I mean, it's a thing. It is a thing. 
I have so many nice books that she would like, I'm sure. But naturally, they all come with the caveat that if you do not approve of them, she cannot read them. Oh, no, she can read whatever. Okay, that's what I figured. That might, I figure kids just flip over anything they don't understand to get to oh, the yeah. exciting bits, which in a book like Wizard of Earthsea, you might flip over a lot to get to the exciting bits. You might, um, but the things you don't understand are like kind of like the good parts from a grown-up perspective. Like, I guess so, yeah. Like, what are we, what are we learning about the world here when we're not in one page casting and, one spell? And like that, that hint of romance in a future book, will Ged hook up with Vetch's little sister? I don't and... know. I'm going to see my friend tomorrow, and I'm like, maybe I can ask. <laughs> I, I feel like they would tell me the spoilers if I really <laughs> asked. I really want to know, so I don't have to read the rest. I feel like um, they would tell me that they hook up just to get me to keep reading, though, too. Probably. Because oh, I was I like, oh, mm-hmm. a girl. Which is one thing I must say before we go. It's yes. like on the portrayal of women front, yeah. I was very disappointed in Earthsea because the women that you meet are all weak. Yeah. Even the like sorceressy type witchy lady that he meets at one point in the book. Right. She needs him to get her out of the mess that she's in. And then she just like doesn't you know, survive. She's like, oh yeah, no, she's super using him and she super had used him earlier. And yeah. Yeah. And she just, you know, they're all like weak or subservient. It's like men go do stuff. And I'm so shocked at Ursula K. Le Guin for this. So Um, that makes me want to read books two on to see if it gets better. Yeah. And also I feel like my friend would not have put these books in my house if it didn't get better. You hope so. And then we have, you know, the Pradane books, where there are not that many women on the ground either, quite frankly, but you have the Princess Island Way, who is kind of ditzy at this point. Uh, but I assure you, she's a badass. But she, and like, kind of, I mean, she's, yeah, I mean, actually, she does, like, the save them coming. and take yeah. take actions. And she, like, st- they come across this sword that's named Dernwin, and she's like, that is not for you. No touching that for you, Terry. Right? And because she's funny. I felt like she was she funny. She is funny. She is funny. And, um, a woman who knows what she wants. and um, That was nice. And there's the sorceress Akron, who is just evil, 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 evil. But she's powerfully evil and competently evil. Um, I mean, which is nice to see, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the sorceress in Earthsea is like incompetent on the evil front. Yeah, like if, it, if it's going to be an evil lady, I want to cheer for her. Sure, yeah. Like, go be Have evil. there be a real big battle and not sure. just like... Her older husband realizes she's too double-crossing him. Eh. Yeah. 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 I want, I know, I want her to kidnap people and terrorize them. And, right. I want all the women to be powerful. And then we can blow up her castle. Good and cool. bad. Yes. yes. So I felt like on the, on the women are powerful, competent, and equals to all the other people in the book, uh, Perdane was much right. better than yeah, I agree. Earthsea on that front. Um, for book one, but I still am comparing book one to book one for book now. one to book one, and uh, and it is true that they're just not like Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, just not a lot of women on the ground. It's true, not a lot of slippers on ground. That's right. So, um, yeah, and that's mm. clearly a trope that Brooks these days work to break, which is festive. Yeah, and sometimes break in fun ways or yeah. different ways. And yeah. yeah, that part's fun. Yeah. <sighs> so we survived. We did survive. So what are we going to read next time? I think that we should read The Cloud Roads by Martha Wells for several reasons. 
Okay. None of those reasons are because I know what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) But But it's the other good reasons, which are the more compelling reasons why I read books. My friends want to read and discuss it in a new book club they're making. Excellent. And my friend Betsy has repeatedly recommended it to me. Well, and she has great taste in books. Exactly. And she's, she's a yeah. big Georgia Hare fan, which is like Oh, Martha's that's true. Hair yeah, fan. like she likes other stuff that I like. Yeah. yeah. And Martha Wells wrote Murderbot, but this is an earlier fantasy series. And that's kind of why I'm interested in it because, you know, I'm a, a Murderbot stan. And, yeah. Uh, but I have not read anything that Martha Wells has been writing. Like for years, Martha Wells has written right. lots of books that I have not read. So... I'm interested in reading this one to see what is Martha Wells when she's not writing Murderbot. Right. Yeah. So I have to try to wipe Murderbot out of my head a little. Yeah. 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 But also. You have to accept this on its own merits. Yes. Okay. Um, my, my friend who got me Wizard of Earthsea says, try to read with generous eyes. Yeah. That's what they do whenever I give them a thing that <laughs> they're like, uh, this was not my thing, but I tried to read with generous eyes and I noticed these things then. So yeah. Yeah. this and won't it, be Murderbot, but yes, it will be something else that may something amaze completely us. Something different. That's right. Yes. All right. It's a plan. It's a plan. All right. Go forth and read more books and, and I'll read that and maybe try to get through some of these books that I want to get out of my house. So I have storage space. Goal-oriented reading. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for listening to the Book Evangelist podcast. Please remember to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments and, of course, your book recommendations at thebookevangelists at gmail.com.